You are listening to Microchurches, a podcast for missionaries and leaders living out their God-given calling through this small expression of the church. This podcast is meant to encourage, equip, and contribute to the overall discussion of this smaller way. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. You are listening to Microchurches, a podcast for people brave enough to be small. This is your host, Tommy Wilkerson, and in this series, we are looking at the missionary journey and looking at how microchurches can come alongside leaders in that journey to help people in their missionary identity formation. In the first episode, we looked at lordship and liminality. In the second episode, we looked at calling and starting things. And in this last episode of this series, we want to look at this loop of experimenting, pivoting, and persevering, and the role of the microchurch in walking with people as they go through that cycle. So once again, I am joined by Jeremy and Stacy. And guys, thank you so much for being on for this whole series. Awesome, man. Yeah, good to see you again. So uh, as we were talking and getting ready for this particular episode, I said that this one was a little bit interesting because part of my understanding of the, the missionary journey is, yeah, there does come a point where the, the microchurch becomes a little bit more indirect in the journey and the, the role of the network or the role of maybe a more organized, a centralized service platform becomes a little bit more direct in the life of that person. Uh, and yet you know, this, there's still something for the microchurch to do in this particular loop. So uh, I would just love to kind of unpack this, this cycle of experimenting, pivoting, persevering. Uh, and then, yeah, how does the, how does the microchurch kind of get involved with that? And so I guess first things first, let's talk about this section of the missionary journey. Right. So after you hear a calling, you have to like try to do something. And as you try to do something, uh, you, you know, we find that ecclesia is formed, the body of Christ is formed. And, uh, you know, you, from, from the start, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's not in its finished stage. It's not finished product. It's, uh, you're just trying. I mean, it'd be great if this was just electrical engineering. You get the wires, you get the the joints, the outlets, and the thing just runs and doesn't catch fire. But the problem is, is that we're working with humans. Mm. You're a human. The microchurch is full of humans. And the people you're trying to love and reach are humans. So none of that is static. All of that's dynamic. All of that is changing a lot. And so there's a lot of experimentation that's needed. you got to do something. But you also have to know that something probably isn't going to do everything you need it to do. It's going to need to change. It's going to need to iterate. You're going to have to experiment to get feedback loops and try something else and make a tiny adjustment and then go back to the drawing board a few times. Uh, and that's that's a part of that work that you have to do as a microchurch leader. You're trying to love other humans. You're not great at it. They're not great at receiving it. Mm. You know, and so it takes a lot of work and experimentation. But because you're called by Jesus, you keep trying. Now, eventually, you're—it's just not going to work. You're going to hit a wall. You're going to hit a betrayal. You're going to make a disciple who stabs you in the back, or false accusations, or there's going to be, uh, you know, high hopes and then you know low return type right. of thing. And you're going to hit a wall. You're going to want to quit. You're going to be like, screw this. I'm done with this. I'm out. Maybe I was never called. You're going to ask questions like that, right? Mm. And it's going to be a bit of like a—it's very emotional low time. 
typically. Did I really hear from God? Does he really care? There's all kinds of directions where it may mm-hmm. go, right? But you're going to hit that. Uh, and that that's, a, I mean, that's a critical piece. I, I think that's really the, the, you know, the, the crux of what we need to talk about is that what do you actually need in that moment? So you need to experiment because you're human and you're not perfect. So I think that's easier for mm-hmm. people to grasp. Like, yeah, I kind of get that. Like I, I need to do something in the world, but I also need to keep working at it right. and figuring it out. But what do we do when it crashes? What do we do when we crash as leaders and we want to quit, we want to stop? That's the thing that maybe we've we've uh, seen a lot of mm-hmm. and we've we've tried to unpack quite a bit. And what we found is that you need missionary peers. Yeah. Mm. That's that's what you need. You need missionary peers. Not just the community of your microchurch. You need uh, missionary leader to missionary leader level. Mm-hmm. So if you're the leader for microchurch, you need other leaders of other microchurches. Yeah. Right? So you need that as a microchurch leader. Uh, so when you hit the wall, you, you go to those people and say, man, this is what's going on. I just want to quit. And they go, me too, but Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially, that's some, to sum up the conversation, that's the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that could go on for three hours. You could have dinner and coffee with it. But summarize it, that's it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. want to quit. Yeah, totally. I get you. Me too. But Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I'm just remembering a moment when, um, uh, you know, young leader who had come out of your microchurch had started something, yeah, and it was like just this beautiful, amazing microchurch that was constantly had like 20 to 30 non Christians, oh, amazing, <laughs> active in conversations around Jesus and the gospel, and just so celebrated and so much life coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, some people got crazy and did some things and the microchurch blew up and disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I remember this young leader saying that he went to two or three different leaders in the community yep. and said, um, I'm done. This is over. This is terrible. He said, this microchurch is dead. It's dead. dead. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't remember exactly what he said, but multiple microchurch leaders just patted him on the back and said, yep, welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said it to him. I said, oh, man, that sucks, bro. I'm so sorry. And he was shocked. Wel- welcome to the club. <laughs> he goes, you're the third person to say that <laughs> It's shocking at first um, and eventually comforting. <laughs> yeah. And two weeks later, I saw him, and, and he was meeting with another person, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're relaunching the microchurch. Mm. Yeah. It was like, seriously, within two weeks, I was like, hey, bro, how you doing? I was trying to be super like, right. caring. Pastoral. Pastoral. I was like, oh, bro, how you doing, man? I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. You know, I know it's heavy. He's like, oh, I'm doing great, man. The Lord's still good. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, I'm going, I'm meeting with this other guy. We're going to start another market church. <laughs> Quick turnaround. He's like, he's like, the calling hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. And so what do you need to get through that season, that moment of just the wall? You just hit it. And usually the first couple of times you hit it very hard. Mm. Um, and, and you're just like, I'm done with this. It takes other missionary peers to go, yep, totally get it. And Jesus, remember Jesus? Yeah. And then you could pivot and then experiment, and then you pivot with purity because you're not pu- you're not pivoting from a place of maybe insecurity or pivoting from a place of like, well, I could just figure this out. It's like the human strength of it has dissipated. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, no, I'm, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm going to try again. I'm going to get up to bat. I'm going to swing again type of thing. Uh, and it has a little bit more purity to it. There still might be a lot of you in it, a lot of 
bravado in it. I don't know. D- different yeah. personalities. Um, th- so there's th- there's still a refinement that still has to happen because, yeah. you know, we're being sanctified. Uh, you know, we're in process still. But it's probably a little more pure than it was. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, it's a little more holy than it was. It's a little bit more about Jesus than it was. It's a little, he has increased and you have decreased. Mm-hmm. Mm. And again, we've seen that as people like cycle through that. So they pivot, experiment, iterate, hit another wall. Right. You know, go to other missionary peers, boohoo a little bit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get back up saying, yeah, I got, but, but Jesus, I got, I have to be faithful to Jesus. I wasn't doing this micro church because Tommy, you know, uh, deadlifted me and, <laughs> and made me do this. Uh, I, I'm doing this because of Jesus. So, so, so each micro church leader needs to have a community of missionary peers, of missionary leader peers, mm-hmm. right? So if you have an ecosystem that has a bunch of microchurches, well, it's already built in. Right. And you need, and personally, I think we in the, our ecosystem, we need to up the language of like, you need to f- come to the leader gatherings. Right. Where the leaders convene, you have to do this. This is like flossing. It's like this is preventative care. Like you are going to get a cavity. <laughs> you must go to the dentist every once in a while. You don't have to go to the dentist every week. You don't have to be BFFs with your dentist. But you all will need each other. Mm. Trust me. It's going to happen. You need to come to the convening spaces with leaders. Again, not all the time and all that stuff. But so as a microchurch leader, you need that. Now as you empower people, right, what do you need to tell them? You need to warn them. The wall mm-hmm. is coming. Yeah. yeah. Persecution is coming. The Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those, mm-hmm. you know, blessed are you when people speak evil of you. Mm. Right? It's like that is coming. This is like part of the deal. Right? Yeah. You need to be connected to other leaders. So as someone, as you're helping somebody plant a new microchurch or they're starting to get traction, you've incubated them or something and they're getting mm. new traction or whatever. To emphasize, because they could be very focused on like, I'm doing my thing now. God is good. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're focused. And that's good. That's That's good. They're they're focused on like their calling. They're focused on like trying to love somebody. They just want somebody to come to their crappy Bible study. Mm -hmm. That's probably how it should be at that moment. Totally. But somewhere in all of that is like, hey, man, let me care for you. Mm -hmm. You need other leaders. Yeah. Right? And that's a good thing. Again, you don't have to be BFFs with them. You don't have to meet with them all the time. None of that. Is, none of we're not finding that is necessary. Yeah. But some type, some type of uh, periodic gathering of leaders to care for, uh, connect with, and to know each other. That seems absolutely critical, mm. right? So to to share that with that young leader, so yeah. you need these other leaders. Uh, and so if you if you already have that ecosystem, you invite them into that leadership space, hmm. right? So you say, you need this, and let, let me kind of be the conduit for you to, like, join that leadership community, okay. right? So that's that's one way. But if you don't have that, if some of our listeners don't have that ecosystem, they're at First Baptist, and they're the only person leading a microchurch, mm-hmm. they have to find another missionary leader in the city. My suggestion is always look to the parachurches, the attic ministries, the college ministries, the homeless ministries, stuff like that. You're basically going to find people who look like, smell like, talk like church, Mm. but they call themselves parachurch, which you're like, 
and missionaries that yeah. call themselves missionaries. Yeah, they, they see themselves as missionaries. They see themselves as called to that field. They're operating this missionary life out of calling. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wait, this sounds very familiar. This is it's, it's basically a microchurch, you know, but they don't mm-hmm. have that language and they don't need the language. Mm-hmm. But you need that leader. So get coffee with them. Yeah. Find 10, 12, mm-hmm. 20 people over the next year and get coffee with them mm-hmm. and just see what connections happen. Don't try to recruit them to your thing and don't let them recruit you to their thing. Mm-hmm. Just meet with them and be like, can we just like connect at a heart level as missionaries? Yeah. You know, that seems to work. And, and when people do that, they do tend to find those five or six people yeah. that are those missionary peers. Mm. And they can have lunch yeah. every once in a while. And I'm not trying to recruit you, and you're not trying to recruit yeah. me. And we could just be together, and we know it's like it's like going to the dentist. Like you know, we know we're going to need each other at a different level. We don't yeah. know when it's going to happen, hmm. but if we establish this connection point, this relationship, we will be able to persevere suffering. You know, so that's usually my advice. As you know, you as a microchurch leader, you need to find the missionary peers, uh, but also. As you incubate and and have people in your microchurch find a calling and lead new microchurches, they need to also find missionary peers. So, yeah. which you can be one of them, right? But maybe not the only one, right? And so, you, you and you know, can maybe to. serve to introduce them to. That's right. Others. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that's kind of my take on that part of the journey from the microchurch perspective. Mm. Uh, it's different than if I talk to network leaders, I might talk a little bit differently about how you can create convening spaces, what you could do in those convening spaces for leaders, uh, that type of thing, covenant communities, that type of stuff. Um, But if you're just a microchurch leader, how do you walk in that journey? Mm -hmm. It's it's slightly different than a network leader. But at the end of the day, it's missionary peers. You got to find them in your city. And And we've seen that even in our city. You know, Mm -hmm. we have a network and we have seen people from other churches who are very missionally entrepreneurial. They start something, mm-hmm. but they actually really love their church. They're getting some element of totally. community, encouragement, rootedness, encounter with the word there. It's not that they want to leave that place, but they do need connection with other yep. people who are really out there on the edges taking risks for the kingdom who will get those struggles in a different way than their church community. So we've had those people who will come and participate in our convening events, our equipping events. They'll they'll dip in and connect, but they're not necessarily wanting to leave that other worship service. And for us, that's been totally okay, you know, and there has to be that sort of flexibility to understand, like, what do I need as a missionary in order to... Yep be rooted in relationships and community and all of that. But there is this need for people who really understand what you're doing as you're out there taking a different kind of risk for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I was just thinking about your scenario that you gave, Jeremy. It doesn't necessarily mean if you are in that prevailing church model that you have to get up and leave today and go be a lone wolf in your city, right? There is a way to stay connected, but also to forge those connections with missionary peers. Yep. Can you have coffee with five or six people mm-hmm. that are in your city, they're just in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it's almost like a feeling. Yeah. You'll feel it. Yeah. And, it, and, and I wish it maybe was more scientific. 
mm. because the journey is a little more scientific. They're, we're trying to put language to something that's like a mystery, you know, right. that's a little bit more like it's artsy. It just kind of happens. It's a journey. <laughs> but there is kind of this science to it. But this kind of isn't. It's like you're, it, it, it's chemistry. It's you, you're sitting down and going, man, yeah, this is the right person. You, you will feel it mm-hmm. if they're, the, they're those people. Mm-hmm. And you just got to go looking for it. And everybody that I know, as soon as they start looking, they start finding those people yeah. in their city. Again, they're, they're all part of different, like, you know, Sunday morning gatherings. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're, I'm not saying go to one Sunday, Sunday morning gathering. They're all over the place. It's, but, but there's these people. They need you. You need them. They need each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could participate in basically building a miniature network. It doesn't even have, a, have to have a name. You don't yeah. have to be like, this is our network in our city. It's like we we get coffee every two weeks or not or every two months or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Right. And we just share missionary life and we share our burdens and our hearts and our struggles that senior pastors wouldn't quite understand, that normal parishioners wouldn't understand the mm-hmm. the the burdens that we carry as we do addiction ministry. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they just don't get but 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 at this table people even though they do different ministries, different microchurches, they get it. Mm-hmm. Mm. They get me. And it, again it's a it's a feeling. Um so I think what's kind of cool is that in our ecosystem mm-hmm. you do see the diversity of microchurches that I would sometimes think oh see this doesn't really work on paper. Yeah. Like these these microchurches are so different. You know, they they don't really need each other. Mm. You know, like it wouldn't be better if like microchurches hung out with like microchurches, mm-hmm. right? And we just haven't really. Se- I mean, sometimes that's good because they could share practices mm-hmm. or they could share resourcing or something like that. That is positive for that that type of environment. But for what we're talking about here, the persevering microchurch leader, getting past the wall, pivoting past yeah. the wall, it, it doesn't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. It's like it could be different as different can be, but what what it needs to be is a missionary peer, a, a leader of a microchurch. I'm a leader, you're a leader, and the devil's kicking our butts. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes in our convening events, we may actually get to talk to each other about that, but sometimes it's just the experience of worshiping with those people, or mm-hmm. you know, if we're in a season where we have the resources to do communal worship, or if there is a communal word from the Lord, you know coming from scripture, you experience it in a different way Yep. when you know that you're in a room with people who are laying down their life every day of the week and they are carrying those same kind of burdens. So sometimes it is about the like, let's actually have a conversation and connect and talk about our burdens and share our burdens. And sometimes it's like, man, can we just be in a room together and Mm. like receive like the, the love, the encouragement, the affirmation of Jesus, the... Um, you know, can we intercede together for our city and we can short code that together because we're having these sort of similar experiences during the week. And sometimes that's what a missionary needs. Yeah. 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 You don't have to boohoo every time you get together. You don't have to complain every time you get together. It it does. It's a, there is, it's such a weird word, but like it's a connection point. So you're connecting as you're listening to a unified word from the Lord, mm-hmm. right? You're connecting as you're, you know, singing out Jesus, yeah. your love for Jesus together yeah. with one voice and one song. Or you're just, you just turn to each other and it's like, let's just pray for each other real quick. 
you know, there's lots of times that like that's super powerful. And it's weird because it's like in, in my microchurch with my community, we pray for each other all the time. Yeah. Mm. But then when I gather with other microchurch leaders and we turn to each other and we pray. And sometimes it's like I barely I barely know this person. Yeah. And yet we pray for each other. It's different. I don't know how to fully describe it. It's just a yeah. different experience. Again, sometimes it's strange. It's like mm -hmm. you're essentially a stranger to me. Yeah. How is this so powerful? How is this so different than my community that I am with once or twice or three times a week sometimes? Mm -hmm. They know me mm -hmm. at such a deeper level, and it's different. It, yeah. it, it, there's different forms of like powerful. Yeah. And the missionary peer powerful is unique and it's different and it does feel differentiated yeah um but i think that's a great point yeah it doesn't have to always be like crazy boohoo you know isn't ministry hard type mm -hmm. of stuff i mean sometimes i mean a lot of times there's a lot of laughter among us yeah uh even though we do talk about suffering quite a bit yeah <laughs> you know and especially with the leaders it's like probably because we talk about suffering a good yeah, bit we have to, we have to laugh yeah we have to balance ourselves a little bit you're like oh we're gonna go deep all right we gotta crack some crazy inappropriate jo jokes here so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job, by the way. <laughs> I'm the court jester. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, it's just, it's interesting because, I mean, part of what we, in talking about missionary peers, it just, the, the needs of the leader changes, right? So, like, when a person first hears a calling and they're first wrestling with the question of, like, what do I do with this? It's like, Am I allowed to do this? Can I do this? Yeah. And they need they need permission. Yeah. And now they're in it and it's tough. They want to quit. And the question becomes, how do I keep doing Pers this? Persevere. Yeah. Initially they need permission. Next they need perseverance. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is just uh which is just an interesting thing to have to like navigate as a, a microchurch leader. I can imagine if you're a say in like a, an incubating space and you're the leader of the incubating space and you have everyone who's trying different things, everyone's experimenting and practicing and pivoting and coming back together. There's a way that perhaps they could be missionary peers to each other. But I, I do think it is helpful to think about like, if I have somebody who's in my microchurch, they're doing something and they're just, yeah, they're hitting the wall. There's a way that we relate to each other now that's just a little bit different than it was before. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that, that maybe part of my responsibility is to connect them to the broader leadership community, other people who also get it. Um, right. I, I love that. And uh, I mean, to go with that, I know one of the things that we've talked about as we've talked about the missionary journey is, I mean, not to say that, well, maybe this is kind of where maturity happens. Like mm -hmm. if you can actually you know, last in this cycle, uh, there is a deepening that happens. Maybe there is some, mm -hmm. some gravitas that gets, uh, you know, built up in a person. I don't know if you all wanted to talk about that at all. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, working out, you know, it's like, you got to persevere through suffering of working out. If you want to improve, it's, it's the anti-fragile concept. Mm -hmm. Like mm. you, like your immune system actually has to be challenged and you have to get sick for your immune system to strengthen. You know, you have to challenge your muscles for them to strengthen, yeah. you know? And so, I, you know, I don't know if those are perfect analogies, but it does seem like missionaries have to 
be challenged. Their faith has to be challenged. Their their trust in themselves has to be challenged mm-hmm. and found wanting. Their trust in Jesus has to be challenged and, and found needing to grow type of thing. And uh, without that challenge, without that wall or that suffering or that, that pressure, then, yeah, we don't really see the, the maturation or the perfection or the fulfillment. Um, I think those are all ways of the same word, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you don't really see it. So the more that we coddle leaders, the more we coddle them, you know, from from you know un- uncomfortable situations or their own mistakes, their own leadership mistakes. Like uh, one of the jokes. It's not really a joke that I'll I'll say. You know, people, oh no, we believe in empowerment so much that we'll let you destroy your own microchurch. <laughs> like you can make bad leadership, not evil, yeah, just bad. You can be mm-hmm. a crappy leader around us. It's totally fine. We'll let you do that. And We're then not going to we'll let you like harm people. Yeah, it's not right, evil. But yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just like you never followed up with people. Yeah. That's on you. You're just a bad leader. Yeah. And then we'll help you pick up the pieces and try to obey your calling again. Mm. You know? It, it's This is just language acquisition. This is how kids learn how to ride a bike. It's just... Yeah, you got to get up. You got to try. You are going to fall. I'm here to help you. You are going to skin your knee. I got mm-hmm. some Neosporin over here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But to protect them from skinning their knee, then they'll never ride the bike. Right. They'll never actually speak a word of English, intelligible English, mm-hmm. if they never risk sounding gibberish, you know? But every child has to practice gibberish first. And oftentimes, young microchurch leaders sound like gibberish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I think, too, we were talking earlier about maturing as believers and how I think some of my experience growing up in different church backgrounds was that, you know, the image of a mature believer often, you know, circled around um, the pursuit of holiness, mm. you know, sort of a personal piety, personal growth sort of thing. But I think as you grow disciples through something like a missionary journey, you know, part of what it means to be a maturing believer, like what's baked into that is learning to love other people Mm. and to sacrifice your life for other people. And so, yeah, of course we see that more on this part of the journey because people are, you know, they're invested now, they're owning their missional identity. They're, they're trying to love people and they're trying to pivot and do that again. And so, um, we do see people maturing, not just mm. in holiness, which they are, because they have to learn to reconcile and say, I'm sorry. And to, you know, God's going to get in there and still dig around at the things that they're seeing and saying and all of that stuff. Like, that's going to happen anytime we're in community. But they're also maturing in in faith and taking risks and believing that Jesus wants to come through, that he wants to reveal himself to people. They're maturing in prayer for others and mm. um, articulating their own faith journey, articulating the gospel, you know, like there's, there's so many ways they're maturing. And I think like we were saying, maybe in one of the last episodes, you know, they're also maturing in, in their relationship with the Holy Spirit because of that crossroads experience and the pivoting Mm. and the trying again and the crossroads experience. Right. And rubbing up against peer missionaries, um, you're, you're deepening your, your sense of, how God is at work and how you partner with him. And that thing that Jeremy keeps saying of like, we decrease so that he can increase 
that is happening on this side of the journey. Mm -hmm. So I think people, they pray more because they're doing mission. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they're not like yeah. setting their always, you know, some people, their personality is set my alarm and, you know, have a specific time I pray. That's good. We should be disciplined. But people pray more because they're in touch with our neediness. Like, mm. for oh God. God, help us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're driven into his presence. So um, I think there's so many ways that even those of us who are the most mediocre of missionaries, you know, the most baby of missionaries, like being willing to step out and take risks, um, it just creates this environment where you have to depend on Jesus in a different way. And you begin to, you know, we always talk about fellowshipping in his sufferings with him. Like you just can't get around that mm. if you're going to take risks in mission. So there's something yeah. you get to learn about Jesus and to grow into your own intimate relationship with him when you're willing to experience some form of suffering, you know, as you love people and serve people. So I think all of that is about becoming a maturing believer. <laughs> and I don't know that we can get that in sterile. I, I know I said something about classroom environments last time. I, you know, I think those environments are good and we need them and, and we need to define processes for people, but there is something that happens by getting on the altar, crawling up yeah. there with your life and loving people that you can't get, you know, in this other space um, yeah. just from listening and ingesting, right? So totally can't get the blessing without washing the feet, mm -hmm. you know, you can't get the bless you, the fellowship without the suffering. It's just, there's certain things. It's like, it's not like God doesn't want to give it to you. It's like, no, it comes with this other mm -hmm. thing, that this is the conduit, this is the road, this is the the way that it happens. And, um, you know, then it becomes a question, of, do we believe the Bible? Yeah. Do we believe the teachings of Jesus? You know, so, yeah, maturity, yeah. man. I think we should try for it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Stacy, you hit on this a little bit earlier, and at, at the risk of like overusing a word or I don't know, it just seems that in this cycle, so if we were talking about Jesus as Lord as an altar moment, liminality is part of that, calling is part of that, it seems like this too, it, it drives you back to the altar. Mm -hmm. it, oh, totally. Yes. It, yes. It, and so the the perseverance and the the continuing, because I mean, if part of the, the responsibility and the role of the leader uh, of somebody who is in this cycle is to point back to Jesus, to, you know, help them remember that, yes, this is something that he called them to not the leader or anybody else, there was no external pressure from anyone to start this thing, but that was Jesus. And yeah, connect them to people. It, it seems like, yeah, part of that is to push back to the altar and to go back to that place of That's hearing right. and listening and, totally. and yeah. all of that. And so it just seems like, yeah, maybe, and maybe that's just the Christian life, actually. Maybe that's, uh, is you're just continually listening and sitting at the presence or sitting in the presence of Jesus, sitting at his feet, listening for what he has to say for you, whether that's uh, something about his lordship in your life, whether that's some pain in the world, something that he wants you to do, or just remembering that actually, you know, all of it, all of it's grace. And, and his, his love for you is never contingent on your success. That's not why you did this in the first mm -hmm. place. 
uh, you did it in response to his lordship and in response to the love that he has for you. Uh, and, and that being something that helps you persevere. And that may be part of the gift of a, a peer missionary community that you can't always get in your microchurch. You can sometimes, mm. but when you're journeying with missionary peers and you come and share those struggles, those challenges, those burdens with them, they are going to point you to Jesus. They're, you know, they're not going to say, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't let people treat you that way. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, don't, don't let people walk all over you or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you're the ones walking on me. <laughs> they have a, It's perspective, right? And yeah. sometimes you can get that in your microchurch, but sometimes, you know, the, the missionary peers, that is something they can give you, which is, yes, we've been there too, and... Like, let's look at Jesus together because we knew he said we would encounter this, mm-hmm. you know. And so they help you to come back and remember your calling, I think. And you're yeah. right. That has to be, that has to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, this is also it. an area that a lot of people are concerned about, like heresy or wandering mm-hmm. from the faith. But a collection of leaders of microchurches, uh, it, that's a very uh, anti-fragile thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> They they all do Bible studies themselves, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So if you start saying some some craziness, um, they're they're going to be like, ah, hey man, it's a decent immunity system. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's get lunch. Yeah. You know, then that sounded weird. You know, it's just it, it's there, it's built in, but like it it's uh it's the body actually acting as the immune system mm-hmm. versus yeah. some like dogma or something. Um. So anyways, I just always find that really interesting as well. So it's not just I feel really sad, but sometimes part of what's happening at the wall is there. there's maybe even a faith crisis or like a, a disturbance of like, I, I don't know, it, it did Jesus bodily raise from the dead? You know, like something like mm. that may come That's up. That's true. You know? yeah. And, you know, the people that you're leading, they're going to, it's like, they barely believe Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. You know? So it, it takes that leader, it takes other people who are like, no, I'm preaching the resurrection from the dead. Mm. And now you're you're wondering about it for some whatever reason. Let's let's get lunch. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Let's like engage. Um it, it's a gift that we can give each other. Uh that's that's beyond just the commiserating. Um so anyways, yeah. I, I that's also like a unique aspect of leader to leader connections. Well, question, even in talking about that leader-to-leader connection, so I know maybe this is one of the ways that the the network comes alongside, but yeah, just even the the role of a coach. So if somebody is experimenting, pivoting, encountering difficulties, uh, yeah, does the leader that they're interacting with is there space for that leader to act as a coach? Do we see that as a need? Or is it just like, no, in that moment, what somebody really just needs is a listening ear and a missionary peer? Or is it like, oh, no, yeah, there's actually room to kind of ask coaching questions, to kind of dialogue and figure out strategy? Just Definitely. I think it's both those things. And I, you know, if we're going back to the original research, I would say that when people came to this point of the crossroads, consistently in their stories, um, they named a person who Hmm. was that missionary peer who reminded them of their calling. And often I think we naturally have people like that, that they ask us the right questions. 
in that moment. And we would, they, they're essentially coaching us, you know, by asking the good open-ended right, questions. Right. It, it may not fall underneath the title of coaching, right. but that's that's what's happening. That's what the peer yeah. community can do for yes. each other. So All the time. All the time. It could definitely serve you to have a coach who sees themselves as that, you see that as your relationship. But I think naturally in our community, you know, in seasons when we have had a coaching team, there are people who find it a little artificial to have someone else assigned to them because they've naturally formed relationships in the peer missionary community right. that they go to. Yep, who totally. They're like, I don't really like, need this because uh, <laughs> I have like four of them over here. <laughs> exactly. We meet once a month at the leaders gathering. I always tell them about I, yeah. the challenges I'm facing. They always <laughs> ask me good questions. Yep. You know, I always figure yep. out my next steps. So I think that is part of it. And I think, you know, there are all kinds of coaching out there and loads of people do all kinds of career coaching, job coaching, you know, goal coaching. There's all kinds of coaching, but um, that doesn't have to be like a difficult task for people in the community mm. because we don't have a goal for people. Like the Lord is the one who's called them. So we can just be good listeners, ask great open-ended questions, and um, just sort of journey with people in conversation and often you'll find that if people just have the space to reflect and get asked good questions, um, they'll make their way to a next step. That um, was probably, you know, that young leader we talked about who at first was like, my microchurch is dead. And two weeks later was like, I'm starting a new microchurch. <laughs> Somewhere in there, some conversations happened yeah. that helped that person overcome those massive sort of emotional mental hurdles to, am I still a microchurch leader? What should I be doing right now? You know, so... Yeah, I think coaching is a great thing, and we've had it in many forms in our community, but the peer community, I think, does that a lot for each other. Maybe the last question, and this might be foolish. Uh, I mean, depending on which version of the diagram I've seen, it seems like uh, either it kind of ends in this cycle or in some versions, oh, well, maybe every version, there's like a little arrow that points off to the, the tail end of the page. And I'm just curious, like, what what is there after this? Is there anything after this? Are you stuck in this loop for, is it just like a purgatory? Like, is <laughs> in the purgatory of experimenting and persevering? Or is there something that awaits on the other side? Does it start over again? What's the... Are you talking about the eschaton? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, man, we're in purgatory. What do you call this life? <laughs> Technically, that's not true. Don't freak oh, out. Gosh. Sort of. <laughs> Into we're in the head. we're in the not yet, man. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, we're always cycling through that. We're always being sanctified. It seems that this is a cycle of maturity, of fulfillment, of perfection, mm-hmm. of sanctification. So. That's what it. That's what it seems like. That observation's still true. Yeah. For us, um, maybe there's some more details about like, you know, pe- people still having options to like lose the faith or something like that. I know some for some folks that would be a debatable matter. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we've seen some folks that have kind of gone through that cycle a few times and then have have decided maybe not mm. you know maybe not jesus or jesus and other gods or something like that yeah you know? 
especially tragic versions. So maybe maybe there's more detail, like a, an additional challenge or additional like, you know, almost like the Desert Fathers. Where it's like they were Christian and they went to the desert and then they met the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we haven't met him yet. Yeah. You know, holy smokes. This is another level. That that might be possible, mm-hmm. you know, as we age and keep doing and, and keep practicing. We might find some detail for like, hmm, yeah, you know, about seven years in of doing this, you're going to hit this moment of like the desert mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. And uh, that that might be true, you know. There, there may be – we. We are familiar with like desert language or yeah. kind of the kind of the, the you know Teresa of Avila, you know Saint John of the Cross, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Where it's like, where is God? Like I think God is here, but I don't know where He is anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like that does happen to more mature missionaries. There are these, and if you read the stuff from those those saints, they describe that as actually a more mature stage. Yeah, you know, like the ec- ec- ecstasy of like worship and like yay Jesus moments. That's actually an immature kind of experience of of faith, and it seems like as you mature, you actually come to these other moments where you're like, God is present, but I don't feel Him. God mm-hmm. is present, but I don't know where He is. Type of thing, and that's yeah. the desert. It's like He's leading me through desert, but what the heck is this? Yeah, mm-hmm. type of thing. So that that seems like that's maybe possible. Uh, but we haven't put that in our diagram yet. I, I don't, I don't think we know that. Maybe we need another research project to mm-hmm. uncover that. But it does seem like that does resonate with some of our older missionaries mm-hmm. yeah. that have been doing it for like a decade or so. There we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, re- I recognize that language. Yeah. You know? um, so I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't either. I, I mean, I think originally when we, we wrote that too, we were talking about Sometimes we talked about the capacity of some leaders to scale and multiply. So that's maybe more a shorter term than what you're talking about. Yeah. But you will have leaders as they mature who do have a bigger capacity to multiply and almost create networks All, like within apostolic. the network. Yeah, very mm. apostolic people. Yeah, they people. become apostolic. Yeah. yeah. So I think for some people that's there where they're going to go on to either incubate a bunch of things to start like many networks of their own. And some people will, will consistently lead a a microchurch faithfully, and yeah. and that's what they're going to do. But, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about um, this new project that Brian Sanders has been working on. Um, he has this book coming out, Six Seasons of Calling, and um, I, I think it's intriguing to think about the way our calling changes over time mm. and how we're always, like, um, at work in the field um, engaging it with the non-believing world and and owning our place in the field, but the way we do that through the seasons of our life changes. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we know, but I, that's an intriguing conversation to me too. And I've heard him talk about some of those thoughts before, and how you know the way that we may have done it 15 years ago, leading is different than the way we're doing it today. Yeah. And for those of us who, by the grace of God, are still trying 15 years from now. Right, right. We'll be in a different season of our life, and the way we mm-hmm. engage missionally will look different then. So maybe that's some too. That's on the other side of that arrow is. Um, so stay tuned. Yeah, we'll keep learning. We'll keep trying, you know, <laughs> but this is what we know so far. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's like shoot for the end of the page, man, and then we'll figure out what happens on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> that's deep. 
That's deep. Well, uh, maybe that's a good place to, to land this. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, okay, well, what do I do from here? What does this mean? Uh, I would love to tell you that there is an Alter Moments webinar series that, uh, with an Alter Moments webinar that could help you figure this particular thing out, but it does not exist. So here's what I will say, uh, is that if you go to tampaunderground.com slash toolkit, there is a resource called Leader One, Leader Two Resource, and that kind of talks about how leadership needs change over time, the difference between maybe some of those early stages of leadership versus that persevering level of leadership. Uh, and so you can have kind of a visual representation of what you're looking for. But also, if you're somebody who's like, oh man, I recognize I need missionary peers or I just need someone to talk to about some of this stuff. Say that you're a network leader who's trying to figure out how to either uh, journey with some microchurch leaders or say you are part of a prevailing church model and you're trying to think about how to turn it into more a micro network uh, Jeremy and Stacy are great people to talk to. Uh, so you can go to undergroundnetwork.org. You can reach out um, and we are always help, happy to help coach people uh, to the extent that we can. Uh, and so feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Microchurches. Until next time.